Talks right here, we gon' talk about it right here. We gon' talk about everything you like. I'ma make it real, real clear. It's today talks right here. We gon' talk about it right here. I'ma talk about everything you like. I'ma make it real, real clear. Cause it's today talks. And I'ma talk about it. Yeah, cause it's today talks. And I'ma talk about it. Welcome to this episode of Tanae Talks. Tanae Talks, the podcast that educates and entertains. Remember, Tanae Talks and you listen. I got a special episode today because they're all special. But this episode is super near and dear to me because it really affected a close friend of mine. As a matter of fact, it affected my best friend. And we'll be talking about endometriosis, fibroids, and infertility in African-American women. On this episode, I had to bring everyone's favorite OBGYN back, Dr. Sierra Cuthbert, and my best friend, Tonika Russell. Welcome to the show, ladies. Hi. Hey. 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 I, we were just telling um, Cece off, off audio how fine she looked today so which is always fine to like be in her presence because you'd be like oh my god you're so fine (laughs) right (laughs) so anybody that's watching this episode an an eligible man out there worthy of dating a physician you know hit her up new to episode yes yes it is almost valentine's day dr cc so we can i know i'll be at home with my kids okay somebody need to send you a a edible arrangement y'all hear this y'all hear this (laughs) wait a minute get get her by the time this airs for women's history month valentine's day will be passed but by that time Um, y'all could be in a full-fledged relationship (laughs) sometime boo Okay. So this was very important because Tonika is going through infertility right now. We wanted to bring Dr. Cece on to give the medical perspective of what's happening um, in African-American women's bodies and things of that nature. Um, With fibroids, uh, African-American women have, it's greater in African-American women. Um, endometrius is also common in African-American women and uterine fibroids affect uh, any woman of reproductive age, but black women are more likely than others to develop them. Black women also tend to experience more severe symptoms than other races, according to healthline.com. So before we you know, get into the medical thing of it, Tonika, please share your story of fibroids and what you're battling with infertility at this moment. Yeah, so when I got married in 2014, um, I, me and my husband said, okay, we've been together. Let's go ahead and have a baby. Like, we don't need to wait. Let's have Demi Rose because everybody knows me, knows that I have had Demi Rose planned since <laughs> 2007 when I met him. <laughs> So, yes. uh, so if anybody <laughs> named their child Demi Rose, 
We already <laughs> know. Stole it from Sonika. We already and know. Jimmy Rose been here since 2007. So I, I was having an issue with getting pregnant and I went to my primary care physician and she said, um, I'm going to send you to a specialist and we're going to see what's going on. I went to um, another doctor and they said, you have fibroids, but they're small. So go ahead, keep trying to get pregnant. Your fibroids will shrink during your pregnancy and have a great day. That's kind of what it is. I didn't know anything about fibroids. It's the first time I ever heard about what fibroids were. And to tell the truth, I didn't even do any research when he said I had them. I just, okay, I can still get pregnant. So it must not be a big thing. Um, it didn't become a big thing to me until I got pregnant in 2017. And I was in such pain. It was horrible. I, I just, I felt horrible from the day I found out I was pregnant until I had my daughter early. And um, when I, I ended up in the hospital, I ended up finding out I had intrauterine growth restriction. And um, the doctor, Dr. Atacola, shout out to him at Hurley, he was like, the main reason of your intrauterine growth restriction is that you have these large fibroids. And I'm like, hold on, <laughs> large fibroids? I was told I had really small fibroids. They were going to shrink. And he was like, that is the case in some women, but in some women, they grow. In some women, they stay the same size. In some women, they cause a lot of um, issues during your pregnancy. And that was my case. So much so that I couldn't even find out what sex I was having um, for my baby because they couldn't see in the ultrasound. Um, and I couldn't take a... Um, a vaginal ultrasound because it hurts so much um, because of the growth of my fibroids. Uh, so I ended up having Demi Rose, but I ended up having her at 31 weeks. She spent 50 days in the NICU. And on the last day of her being a NICU, Dr. Atacola came in and said, um, you need to get the fibroids removed before you have another baby, like, or it's, it's, it's going to be, you know, horrible. Um, so I went to, I found another um, OB, and he was not into removing my fibroids. Um, his actual words to me were like, well, you have a baby already. So like, <laughs> what more do you so, want? So get over it. Yeah, like you have a baby. Like you should have swung on him. I should have. I should have. <laughs> it's not far from my house. So I might take your advice later on this week. Um, but we you got to help me out. <laughs> uh, so then I kind of forgot about it because that really, you know, really frustrated me when I heard that. And then one day I was sitting at home and I said, Sierra is, <laughs> I need to, I need to call, I need to call Dr. Cuthbert. I need to call her. So I called and I went to see her and I cried. Um, on that table. And I said, because <laughs> we're going to call her Dr. Cuthbert, because even though, you know, we grew up together, we're going to respect that doctor role. So I said, Dr. Cuthbert, I want to have another baby. And her words were, okay, well, we're going to get your fibroids removed and you're going to have another baby. And I just, that was just like music to my ears. But was the, it like, it was like a sigh of relief? It, it felt like I was heard and seen. And, you know, that's why when people say it's so important to have a doctor that looks like you, that was it right there. Like, it wasn't a question. It wasn't, you already have a baby. It wasn't, mm -hmm. oh, these fibroids are really large. It was, okay, well, if you want to have another baby, let's get you another baby. Like, it was, that was, <laughs> you know, that was very rude of that doctor. Dr. Cece, very much so. from, 
from hearing this story and her discussing what the, the first, first doctor said, who didn't necessarily explain it well to her, how should a physician go about that? Explain it to her the first time where it seemed like she was blindsided. Once oh, she, I know that physician and that's him. So I was not shocked that he <laughs> said that to her, but why would you take away somebody's hope? We're not God. We don't have the last say. So anything that we can do to help a patient out, that's how I approach situations. You want to have another baby? Let's try everything that I have in my power to do. Ultimately, it's up to God, but I'm not taking that hope away because it's not my place to take that hope away. Wow. To take hope <laughs> away. That's exactly what that doctor did. He took your yeah. hope away and made it seem, you know, he, he didn't know your, your family plan. You know, your family plan could have been to have multiple children and for him to say, well, you got one. So be, be basically saying, be grateful. You don't know my family plan. So that's very rude. So definitely. And the thing was, he knew he had gave me a postpartum test. So he knew I was struggling with severe postpartum depression. So to add that, that conversation on top of what I was already struggling with, it was like he, you know, that, that was just it for me. So, and it frustrated me so much that I didn't contact Dr. Cuthbert until 2020. So I took two years off from trying to get my fibroids removed because I just made a, an assumption that like, okay, yeah, this, this has to be me. You know, like it, if for him to respond like that, this is what I'm going to get from here on out. But I did it. Dr. Cuthbert. <laughs> <laughs> and it's interesting that you probably would take on that idea because as they say, a lot of doctors have the God complex and that is a very high position. To be a physician is like in the olden days being a king. You take their word as their word because you're like, they're educated. They went to school mm -hmm. for all these years. Mm -hmm. They know what they're talking about. So, and like Dr. Cece said, he took your hope away and you believed it because- mm -hmm. He is an expert in this field. Mm -hmm. And so it says in many cases, uterine fibroids causes no notable, noticeable symptoms, but for some people they can cause heavy menstrual bleeding and other symptoms such as prolonged menstrual periods, pelvic pressure pain, frequent uh, need to urinate, difficulty emptying your bladder, constipation, backaches, leg pains. Did you experience these symptoms? Yeah, so before I got pregnant, I just experienced um, heavy bleeding and horrible uh, menstrual cycles. But I never, going to um, the doctor was not something that was really big in our household unless you were sick. So when I did have prolonged periods and, and extra bleeding, I just... When I look back, I should have been like, okay, there's an issue here, but I kind of just, you know, I don't know. I kind of just like, oh, you know, it's going to be okay. It, uh, I'm, I'm sure I'm fine. But ever since I had Demi Rose, um, it's been horrible. Like my back pain and my, my pelvic pressure and pain. And sometimes during my cycles, I, I just, I have to lay down and, and stay sitting down for that because I'm in so much pain. Um, during those times. So yeah, it's been completely worse since I had a baby. But I found out that they grew since I've had her. Is that common, Dr. Cece, for the pain to get worse after a child or is it kind of the same before or after? 
So one of the theories, because we don't know what causes fibroids, but one of the theories is that once you have these fibroids, things that allow them to grow are your hormones. When you're pregnant, you get an abundance of hormones. And so these fibroids can definitely grow as this baby grows, the fibroids can grow. So that is very common to happen. So I don't know what, why your initial doctor would have told you that they shrink because I honestly have never seen them shrink. I've seen the opposite. I've seen a lot of people's fibroids grow. Some of them stay the same, but I have not seen them shrink. So I don't know why I told you that. So Dr. Cece, it says early diagnosis and treatment are essential for improving health outcomes for Black women. What are some things that you do to help your patients not get to the stage where Tonika is, where they're huge and it's kind of at a difficult stage where it needs a super specialist basically to dig in there? I'm sorry, I don't know if my internet is messing up. I could not hear anything you just said. I'm sorry. Okay, no worries. Can you hear um, me? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so it okay. says early diagnosis and treatment are essential for improving health outcomes in Black women. How do you go about early detection with your patients so that they don't get to where Tonika is, where they have to go to, you know, lengths to find a specialist that can even dig into her, you know, uterine line and to even get it. So when they come to me with abnormal bleeding, I tell them an abnormal bleeding, it could be heavy bleeding, long menstrual cycles, more than seven to 10 days. Um, even if they're having a little bit of bleeding, but when they come to me before they're pregnant, even after they're pregnant, I always order an ultrasound. I go over that ultrasound. If they have fibroids, I let them know you have fibroids. They're about this big. And then we have a conversation about, are you having more kids? Do you want kids in the future? And I tell them from there what their options are. That's great. We, we need more people like you, Dr. Cece. So it says, according to research, as you mentioned, they don't really know where the whole fibroid things are coming from, but it says there may be some genetic elements to it um, that increases the tendency among African-American women. Another study suggested that a greater overtime, over lifetime stress may be triggered to fibroids. And we know as African-American women, because we take on a whole heap, and I mean a whole heap of problems, not only for our family, the world's problem, stress at work. We won't say no names. <laughs> <laughs> that was for Tonika's uh, best friend at work. <laughs> My but, bestie. You know, <laughs> that, could, that could contribute to it. It says some evidence suggests environmental factors such as diet a history, uh, or history of abuse. And there is a controversial study that says that hair relaxers have possibly been a contributing factor to fibroids. Now we know everybody got to adjust for me. Used to. <laughs> they had to adjust for me. And that's why, they, that's why my hair ain't grew back yet. Ain't that what they say? Ain't that what they say? <laughs> but okay, according to research, it might be why we got a greater cause of fibroids. Dr. CC, we need a, a class action lawsuit against just for me. Okay. 
gotta say allegedly. allegedly. Yeah. <laughs> so moving forward, Tonika, you have this baby. You go to Dr. Cece in 2020. She she gave you the whole back. That's what black girl. She gave me the do. key. She gave me the key. Gave you the key. <laughs> and now, what stage are you are in that process? And and how are you feeling about that? So it's an important part that happened um, before, right where I'm at, because COVID happened. And so Dr. Cuthbert was trying to, um, because I want to preserve my fertility and because of the size of my fibroids, then she was going to bring in another doctor um, to work to have the surgery. But because of COVID, he wasn't working through COVID. Um, It pushed it back pretty much a year. And then so by the, so I just became a patient of his also because he works with infertility um, and and women who have special cases. Uh, So I'm assuming in my mind, okay, I'm a patient of his. Okay, when I get all these tests done, we gonna have the surgery. And after he ran the test, he said, your fibroids are, I I don't know that I will be able to go in and preserve your fertility. So I'm gonna pass you on to another doctor at University of Michigan Arbor. Um, So I went down there, her specialty is is fibroids and endometriosis. And and so I have a surgery date. So excited for a myomectomy in April. Yes, yes. Six months later, I'm gonna have me another spoiled little baby. Okay, so I'll be right back. <laughs> so I finally feel, um, I finally feel a, a weight is lifted because I want to um, not be in pain anymore. And I want to have the best chance of having a successful pregnancy on my next pregnancy. Um, so I'm doing things on my end too, because I also wanna make sure that my body is healthy and what I can do. I can't continue to not work out and, and not eat right and then have my fibroids removed, but have other issues that could affect my, my next pregnancy. So all that coupled together, you know, I'm really excited about uh, what life is going to look like. Another thing is that she told me that my cervix was the size of a six month pregnant woman. So I'm excited for that to go down. So y'all talk to me nice when I'm walking around here with this slim belly. Okay. <laughs> Period. <laughs> Period. <laughs> so Dr. Cece, what are some things that women can do to prepare their bodies for better outcomes? You know, she talked about eating better. What are some other things that women can do? So honestly, taking prenatal vitamins early. Some studies have shown that actually taking prenatal vitamins early helps. You cut out to decrease, make sure you're exercising. You cut, you, you cut out Dr. Cece. Yeah, we, oh, you cut sorry. out. sorry. So, so making sure you're exercising, the prenatal vitamins, you have to eat right. And just overall mental health is a big thing. Cause if you're stressed out, every single cell in your body is going to feel it and be stressed out. So you have to have your mental health together too. That is a lot of people just neglect that, but that is one of the most important things. Wow. So it affects you at the cellular level. You, you, we don't even real, you know, we don't even realize it, you know, mm-hmm. how we neglect as Tonika says, certain parts of your body, I'm taking care of one part, but not taking care of the other part. You know, if, if you cut off your, your arm, it's still going to affect the rest of your body. So you got to be able to take care of that. We talked about fibroids and we talked about infertility. 
let's understand a little bit more about endometriosis. Um, it says that endometriosis is a common condition in women. It's chronic, it's painful, and often gets steadily worse. Dr. Cece, can you give us a little insight on in endometriosis and how we can treat that better? So what endometriosis is, is the inside lining of our uterus for whatever reason comes to the outside. And so it ends up in our abdominal cavity because our uterus is just a little enclosed space where the baby grows, but on the outside, you have the bowel, you have the bladder, you have the ovaries, you have the fallopian tubes and everything else in that abdominal space. So when these little implants from inside that uterus comes on the outside, when you're on your period and you bleed, those small little implants bleed on the outside. And so your tissues on the outside are like, hold on, we're not used to this. So it creates an, a lot of inflammation causing a lot, a lot of pain, especially during your period. But some women can have pain just throughout the whole month. It doesn't even have to be on their period. And it's just from that endometriosis. Now, like fibroids, we have no idea why this happens. There's a bunch of theories, but we don't know why it happens. Wow. That's crazy. So to your point, Dr. Cece, researchers don't know why <laughs> or how endometriosis uh, tissue reaches other parts of the body. But there are some trends. It says endometriosis tends to run in families. Endometriosis occurs more often in women who have short menstrual cycles or a longer than normal flow. Women who have fewer than 25 day periods or who menstruate for more than seven days are twice as likely to develop endometriosis and dioxin, an industrial chemical, may be the cause. So that stuck out to me because we live in a plant town, right? Right. We, we live, we, we, well, we, we grew up in Flint, Michigan, which is a General Motors town, which is mm -hmm. essentially a General Motors town. So there may be something to that. I would love to know the research in Genesee County to see how many women across the board are suffering with endometriosis due to this dioxin chemical. So maybe mm -hmm. there could be something to that. Which I, is crazy. I don't think that there is any studies out there that tells us that that's something that I would have to definitely look into because I'm gonna be honest, I don't think there are any studies because endometriosis, it's, it's not tricky, but our gold standard for diagnosis is surgery. And so we literally mm. have to take you to surgery to find the endometriosis. So I would have to look into that. Cece, get so, you this so, Nobel Peace Prize and do the research on that. <laughs> yeah. I was just, I was just about to say, like, so when you go do the research. <laughs> yes. So, so Nika, you know, you have confided in me about, you know, your infertility issues, and we know that we're up in our thirties now, all of us here on this podcast today, and you know, we see the memes. Don't ask women why they ain't had a baby yet. When they get married, the first thing you say, it shouldn't be, oh, when y'all gonna have a baby? And, you know, just these different things that are intrusive, rude, all of those things. So the University of Michigan in Ann Arbor did a study and it was called Black Women Often Cope with Infertility Alone. It says African-American women are equally, if not more likely to experience infertility than their white counterparts, but they often 
cope with this traumatic issue in silence and isolation, according to the University of Michigan study. African-American women also are more often to feel that infertility hinders their sense of self and gender identity. How, can you speak to that? How did it affect you as a, as a woman and the, just that whole feeling and people asking questions? Yeah, so, well, before I had Demi, you know, as soon my, if anybody knows my mom, my mom gave me a pregnancy test as a gift <laughs> at my <laughs> bridal shower <laughs> because <laughs> bad, she was ready for a grandbaby. So, and if anybody knows my church, um, <laughs> which was shout out to House of Prayer. I've been there forever. So everyone is very involved in our lives. Um, so when I said I was getting married, you know, the first question, when are you having a baby? When you have a baby? So I felt this, this expectation to have a baby soon. This is what I wanted, but I, I felt um, that I was supposed to produce. And when I couldn't, you know, it, it made me, it made me feel horrible. Truthfully, it made me feel less of a woman. I was supposed to be able to give my husband a child and I can't. And, you know, I couldn't, I didn't know what was going on. And then not only that, but I get pregnant and I, I can't even do the, the regular duties, you know, of cleaning up and, and spending time with my husband because I'm in so much pain, you know, and I, I can't stand up and my stomach hurts all the time. And I'm supposed to be excited to be pregnant, but I can't because this is horrible, absolutely horrible. Um, but not until I began um, to go to counseling school myself and finish with my counseling degree did I realize that I needed some help. This is not something, this is traumatic. And this is something that I needed to talk through uh, with someone. So I had to start going to a therapist and talk through the fact that I had these expectations of having a baby and I couldn't have one. I went through all this trauma of having my child early and having pain during pregnancy and still dealing with all of that now. Um, and I've been able to really uh, move through it better. And also I've had a great support system. So, I mean, like you say today, I've confided in you. Like, I talk to you about it all the time. You know, I never feel judged. I have a great support system in my husband so where I can say, you know, the, the feelings that I have and, and he understands them and he listens and I feel heard with him. And then now I have a, a great OBGYN where I can say those things like I really want, you know, to have a baby and feel heard now. Dr. Cece, are you sometimes the first person these women can confide in? Like you're the first person. Yes, I hear that so many times. And I'm going to be honest, like I have a lot of African-Americans who were like in their 40s and they have these huge fibroids and they've never had kids. And it's to the point now where we just can't take the fibroid out because like... Um, when you went to the reproductive endocrinologist, he said he wanted to be able to preserve your fertility. So we have to have you go. And it's not like we're passing them off. We just know what we're capable of. And if there's somebody better out there that can do the surgery, then we have them go there. And it's like they're in their late forties. And so the egg population isn't there. They have age on their side. It's just a lot. And so it's very hurtful. And it's like, oh, I wish I could have got you 20 years ago, 10 years ago and, and helped you. So yeah, I'm usually the first person they confide in. Uh, it breaks my heart because it's like, dang, Dr. Yeah. Cece, why couldn't you be like Doogie Hauser? You could have been a 14-year-old physician helping these women. 
We needed you, Dr. CC. <laughs> you know, you know, Tonika talked about, you know, the church and the church that we grew up in. It was like a family. So these are common, you know, things that they're going to ask you. And in this study through the University of Michigan, it says uh, infertility was infused with religious significance for some of the women in the study. They believe God intended women to produce children, which further heightened their sense of shame. Mm. Right. And that speaks to your point, Tonika, about as a wife, I'm supposed to be cleaning the house, mm -hmm. cooking all the meals, folding all the clothes. I can't do that because I'm in excruciating, you know, pain. And luckily for you, you have a husband who is understanding, who mm -hmm. does not subscribe to patriarchy. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? But a lot of women don't have, there's men yeah. up and down my timeline that I'm looking like, who, how, who procreated who married you? you? Who <laughs> did that? you? For what <laughs> and why? <laughs> because who? Because baby, I all know. But but God, okay. Anyway, <laughs> but God, but God. Mm. Shout out to God. Mm. Yes. Shout out. Oh Lord, it said. You know, it it says virtually all of the women dealt with infertility in silence and isolation, even when a friend or relative knew about the woman's difficulty conceiving, respondents thought infertility was not as emotionally painful for their husbands and partners who were not interviewed for the study. So that, mm. that's a whole nother topic that how that feels for the man who, you know, wants to create life with the woman and she's having this, you know, these issues. And like we said, if this man is full of patriarchy, he could be emotionally or mentally abusing this woman, making her feel like she's less than because she can't have babies. But wow, you know, that was it's, a lot. Also, it's also kind of embarrassing. You know, it's embarrassing to see people on, you know, we live in such a social world. So we're, I'm watching you on Facebook have your fourth and fifth child. They're healthy. You have a baby showers. You live in your best life. And here I am. I, I can't produce one. Or if I have produced one, if you're in my predicament, you're having trouble producing that second one. You know, it can, even though you shouldn't feel embarrassed, it does bring all those embarrassing feelings that this is something that I'm just supposed to do. And I feel guilty because what am I doing that I cannot produce this child where I see other people just four or five I'm pregnant again I don't know how I got pregnant but I'm pregnant like what <laughs> <laughs> somebody just blew on them like, and then they were pregnant <laughs> right girl you're like damn <laughs> right <laughs> but I think as a society in general we put so much pressure on women black women but women in general oh God made you for this God like we don't know what God intended for our lives. So we can't say that God intended every woman to be like that. So like our interpretation sometimes can be really, really harsh. Mm -hmm. You're absolutely right, Dr. Definitely. Well, I want to thank you ladies for joining in this today talk on today. I know that this will help a lot of women, um, you know, speak up, speak out and not have to deal with this alone in isolation as this University of Michigan study shown. And if you can, Go to Dr. Cece. She says she takes all the insurance. Go, go, <laughs> go. But don't listen. In October, make room because here I come to have the second baby. I'm going to be ready. <laughs> okay, with the gloves on. So thank you, ladies, so much. In true to Nate Talks fashion, this is your time to give your shout out. We're going to start with Dr. Cece. Who are you giving a shout out to? Well, I'm giving a shout out to God, of course, first. 
And I have to give a shout out to you. You are amazing. Your topics are just fire. I love you so much. So thank you for doing this. Thank you. Thank you. And I want to give a shout out to Tanika because you are amazing too. You got this. I'm going to be there for you. You need me. You let me know. I love it. And, and Toto, who are you giving a shout out to? First, I'm, I'm going to give a shout out to, you know, God. That's my homie. Like no other. <laughs> then I got to shout out my husband and Demi Rose, who have let me spend this time quietly talking about this topic. <laughs> all I got to shout out. <laughs> I got to shout out my best friend, Tanae, because she's been doing Tanae Talks for all these years. This is y'all first time seeing me, but we're not, we're not going <laughs> to get it today. <laughs> and then, oh, <laughs> I guess it's the first topic, but you know, we're not, we're not going to do that because we'll, this will take us Yeah, to, we're not going to do that. <laughs> and then I'm going to shout out Dr. Cuthbert because again, I can't, I can, I talk about you all the time. Thank like you. it just, I, I'm just so excited now to be on the road to having my myomectomy and being out here with the summer body body. Yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> and shout out to Beyonce just because, <laughs> you know. Shout out to Brandy, Rihanna Norwood. But anyway, uh, I want to give a shout out to, this show is dedicated to all those women who are dealing with infertility issues endometriosis or in fibroids you are not alone you are loved there is help out there the show is um, dedicated to my sister Clarice who had fibroids and I was at the surgery with her and the and the, the doctor brought them out on the little silver little tray and they were like this big like each of them and you know it take a real g to carry something like that in your body, um, a foreign object in your body like that, that's not to, to, meant to be there. So shout out to all the women who's carrying that load and uh, carrying that burden. This show is dedicated to you. And this is dedicated to my little son, AJ, um, because he made me a mama. Okay. Was I was wondering <laughs> how to connect it. Huh? I was wondering how to, what the connection was. <laughs> the, the connection was that he made me a mama. <laughs> okay. Not judging. And y'all have a nice day. Remember. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Tanae talks and you listen. <laughs>